0: Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Procure Tech podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site where you can search, filter and slice and dice over 400 procurement technology solutions completely free of charge without having to purchase an expensive subscription. But today we're going to be talking about one of the final frontiers of procurement and how to optimize how you go about sourcing consultancy services, because this one has always been a tough nut to crack. So I thought who else to bring on to the show to talk about this than somebody who has developed his own app and software as a service solution all around consultancy sourcing. So uh, Laurent Thomas, very warm welcome and glad to have you with us. Thank you, James. I'm glad to be there with you as well. So, as I mentioned in the intro, this one really is the final frontier. I mean, even when we talk about professional services procurement, consultancy is really one of the t- toughest cookies uh, to get stuck into. So, before we dig into that, can you perhaps just briefly walk us through your career as a business leader up to this point? Maybe talk to us a little bit about what the trigger was that made you decide that you wanted to build some software in this space?
1: So indeed, I'm an engineer by training. I have, even though I did not do a lot of IT in the the first steps of my career, I have an IT training uh, as a master. Uh, I started my career in the automotive industry, quickly switched to consulting, then spent about 15 years in consulting with Oliver Wyman, uh, moved to the US to lead the organization transformation practice in 2011. And uh, I ended up being recruited by one of my clients uh, from Solvay in the chemical industry. And I moved over in twenty at the end of 2013. Over there, I led the strategy and transformation of the business for a couple of years. Uh, this is where I realized that it, we are very bad at sourcing consulting services. Uh, also, that I was selling uh, pretty cheap when I was in consulting. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a that's another story. And then after that, I, I led a couple of transformation programs. I led a lot of functions everything that was transverse to the business. And I then took the, subsequently took the lead of the global oil and gas business for Solvay from 2019 to the end of 2021, where I left Solvay uh, to focus on the digitalization of uh, Consource, our digital procurement platform. The trigger uh, that made me decide to, to build the software is indeed that we launched Consulting Quest as a service to help companies use and buy better consulting services in 20, 2015. And uh, we did that for a couple of years. It was also useful for me. I was not involved with the business uh, as I was working with uh, with Solveig, but it was useful for me. We went sourcing consulting services because I had only a limited budget and a limited number of projects I could do with the budget I had. And being able to use the service of Consulting Quest, I was able to probably uh, multiply by two the number of projects I was able to fund in the, in the same, in the same envelope. Comes 2022, uh, 2020 and the COVID crisis and a lot of consulting freeze and so on. And this gave us at the same time, uh, a void in activity, but also time to reflect and to realize that it would make sense to digitalize the know-how that we had developed uh, on the sourcing of consulting services to address not only the sourcing part, but the entire end-to-end needs from companies when it comes to consulting services, from setting priorities to to managing performance, and uh, to, uh, to to expand, indeed, the scope of our activities from, I would say, niche project on Tough Nuts to Crack to the entire scope to better manage the entire consulting budget.
0: Got it. So that's, there's a lot to unpack there. But before we do, I'm always curious when, when someone comes out of corporate after a long, successful career and, and decides to move from being a corporate business leader or, or, or a consultant, in your case, to being an entrepreneur, what were some of the mindset changes that you had to face and how is it different to, to life in corporate?
1: I funded my studies by having my small business on the side uh, where I was taking advantage of tourism in the, the south of France. I would not have too much of that. But I had tasted the, the, I would say, uh, the, the entrepreneurial life and I always wanted to go back there. But then, well, when life happens, you go from one job to another job. It's well-paid. Uh, it's interesting. And, uh, you, you have kids and you have the, the comfort and the security of the corporate job. <laughs> but at some point the kids are grown up and you want to go back to this kind of more freedom, uh, more entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial style. And, uh, that's that, that was an opportunity that was too, too good to pass. And I have probably another 15, 15, years in front of me. It was now or never. If I had waited another 10 years, it would have been quite late, uh, to, to, to make the, to make the jump.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I'm always intrigued because you know I've been on that journey too, and okay, I I don't have the the, the kids to take into consideration, but it's uh it's it's always yeah. I'm just a curious person about when people decide to to do something that they're really passionate about. So, how is sourcing consulting then different to sourcing, for example, any other professional services like like legal or audit or or, or, or you know the typical white-collar, high-end professional services?
1: Well, first, there are a lot of similarities when you source professional services. Most of the services are statement of work-based. You have vendors that have usually similar business models that are based on the utilization of their their teams. Indeed, when you have assets in in chemicals, you want your assets to produce 100% of the time. When you're in professional services, the same thing as the asset. Instead of uh, they are not capex, they are opex. And uh, you want your teams to be producing most of the time and to be (coughs) available most of the time to maximize your your fitability. The main difference when it comes to consulting, in my view, is uh, the the level of decentralization that you have when you buy consulting services. When you're buying audit, who will buy this? It will be selected by the finance function. When you're buying legal, it's selected by the legal function. When you're buying marketing, usually marketing is not far away. Uh, Here in consulting services, everyone can at some point buy some consulting. And also you find in the consulting budget a lot of things that are not consulting, actually, with a, a lot of uh, temp workers that are classified under consulting, also my team, these guys, this kind of thing. The other thing is that consulting is very intertwined with the, should be intertwined with the strategy of the company. And uh, the, the level of uh, high top management involvement in, uh, in consulting is also very high as compared to other professional services in my, in my view. Last the, the structure of the market, I have just one last point. The structure of the market is also different, with a strong asymmetry in experience and knowledge between the buyers and the sellers. You will buy, as a consulting procurement uh, person, an organization transformation project every three years. Because you will not change the organization every every month. So well, some some do, but it's not really recommended. But uh, uh this the guy in front of you is selling a project like this every month. So you you have a lot of turnover in the profession. Uh, you have projects that have a long cycle. You don't have necessarily the critical mass. And you have professionals in front of you that are doing this for a living. And that's one of the challenges when you buy consulting services.
0: Got it. So if I paraphrase what you just said then, so there are a lot of diverse stakeholders that you're going to have to deal with the spend is often miscategorized or it's often difficult to get your head around exactly what you're spending on specific consultancy services, plus the salesperson that you're going up against as the buyer it is probably going to be more experienced in in selling what they're selling versus you as the buyer who may be only purchasing that particular service, like you say, once every few years, depending on your needs. So, all of that is, is a pretty potent mix. So let's look at this. You know, We're in an inflationary environment right now at the time of recording this. And especially on things like direct materials and purchase parts, it's understandably increasingly harder to deliver bottom line savings against that backdrop. So could you maybe walk me through how using technology and taking a more structured approach to sourcing consultancy services could be a ripe opportunity to both drive down cost, but also, you know, increasingly it's more about ensuring that you're getting value for money, and the consultancy services that you're procuring is 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 adding to the top line or or or, uh, or contributing to the bottom line of the business ultimately.
1: I would say you said it's right. Uh, it's about driving costs down, but also increasing the added value. And when you think about consulting, one notion that we try to convey is that consulting is an investment. In the same way that you invest with uh, uh, CapEx on your uh, industrial assets, you will invest with, uh, here in that case, mostly operational expenses, but you invest in your organizational asset, uh, the decisions you take, how you do things, how you implement things, and uh, you need to get a return on your investment. And it starts with this. The first thing is to be able to understand if you're spending on the right projects and to manage the demand. And that's where technology comes in because you can set up a pretty easily a control tower where you will have to have demands to, to start some projects where you need to justify why you want to, to launch this project, what will be the cost, what is the expected impact. Uh, you can ask additional questions. Have you thought about make or buy? Have you thought about involving the internal consulting team? All these kind of things to to filter out things that don't make sense and make sure that you're investing in your money in the area where you will have the biggest bank for your bucks.
0: And with what you've developed, then it's 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 able to sort of guide you along that way, or that's, that's part of what you've got within the package?
1: Yeah. That, that's, we have a, the first part, uh, the first functionality that we have is demand management, where you can set your strategic priorities and explain where you want to invest your money. Then you have dedicated workflows depending on what type of projects you're dealing with. And then you have the demand pipeline management where you're looking, you're justifying your demands, and then you have a committee based on the workflow that is taking decisions to move forward or not with the demand. If I just give you an example, I work with a pharmaceutical company in the US. During the COVID crisis, they bought seven times, they have 14 business units. They bought seven times the same project on the future of work because each business unit bought the same project. If you have visibility on the demands, you will spot these kinds of things that, that make no sense. I'm not saying that the future of work makes no sense. I'm just saying that buying it seven times
0: Makes no sense. Buying seven <laughs> times makes no sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the first step, is make sure you spend your money in the right place. The second one is, is to make sure that you are guiding the only 7% of the executives, I don't know if you know that, consider that they are equipped to buy properly consulting services, which means that 93% don't. Wow. And uh, if you can guide the buyers to write professional RFPs, if you can have a clear scope, if you can have clear deliverables, actually, if you can have deliverables in your RFP, which is sometimes totally forgotten. All these steps can drive the cost down by focusing on what you need and only what you need. And make sure also that you don't have a a kind of a blank check where you're buying something, but you don't really know what you're buying, and then you will be on the hook to pay the cost. That's the second step, making sure that you buy only what you need and you slice it properly. And third, you need to identify the best firms to work for your project to maximize the impact, control your cost, and create healthy competitions. And uh, too many projects are awarded without a proper scoping or not enough competition, and that's what technology is offering. It's offering to work with the companies from your panel, but also to look at companies that are beyond your panel, thanks to some marketplace functionalities that we have uh, uh, added to the to the app to make sure that you can always have the best company for a given project, independently, I would say, from the legacy uh, panel and onboarding discussions.
0: So, I mean, you have the software solution, but you're also offering procurement as a service and group or membership-based training and coaching as part of the overall package that you offer. And I think, you know, I have to, and perhaps this is a stupid question, forgive me if it is, but companies are going to have a limited budget to spend on niche category-specific software for something, you know, very specific like consulting. So, Can you maybe walk me through why wouldn't they be able to get this same value from a more generic professional services sourcing software solution?
1: When you look at, the, I would say, the the sourcing softwares that are today available on the market, there are not a lot that are addressing the end-to-end process. Uh, Some of them are very good at addressing, I would say, the the sourcing piece. Some of them are very good on the the integrations and the the procure-to-pay. Uh, some software that you will find are very good for the negotiation of the contracts, but you rarely find um, an option that is kind of end-to-end looking at, okay, I validate my demand, I write my RFP, I identify the right consulting firms in a collaborative way, I'm fully custom, and all the clients can define exactly what they want. If they want this type of templates for their RFPs, if they want this language, if they want this type of onboarding, all those things are custom in the app and you can really tailor them to your needs. A lot of the, I would say, uh, big suites uh, have a kind of an SAP syndrome where you need to adjust to their process and uh, you don't customize and tailor to to your process. So what we have tried to do was really to tailor to the, the process of the firms, even though the steps are the same in our app all the time. You go demand, then RFP, then as um, selection, then negotiation of the statement of work within the app. Then one thing that we have that most of the suites that I've seen so far don't have we have the entire project management in a collaborative way from within the app. So you can have the chats, you can have the files, you can have, uh, all the, the, meet, the meeting minutes for uh, the project that you're, that you're running. So the, the users don't see this just as a procurement platform, but as a, a, a platform to manage consulting and not only to source consulting, even though the name is consource, which can be a little bit confusing, but that's, uh, that, that's where we, we saw it. Does that, does that make sense?
0: That yeah it does and that it's interesting to hear that because i think you hit the nail on the head that you know if we take the suites to one side and just look at best of breed or point based solutions that are specifically tailored towards services procurement most of them are are focused on the sourcing approach but there are very few of them that actually do the whole sort of post contract signature life cycle management part of it as well so I think you're right that if you were going to use other softwares, you could do it, but you'd probably have to use two applications. You'd have to use one sourcing app and then, and then have another app for the, like, the contract lifecycle management beyond, beyond the supplier selection and signature. So I think, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a big differentiator. And
1: maybe another one for the spend analysis and maybe another one for the performance analysis and maybe a different one for managing all your contracts. So you end up with a stack yeah. of uh, of apps, which is a different way of taking the problem. We just saw that for consulting, it was making more sense to have a vertical approach. If I can add to your point, because I, I was kind of uh, taken off a little bit of guard by the by the question, uh, there are a couple of items yeah, that do. are very specific to consulting that we have done. For instance, we have mapped four thousand different consulting firms and about twelve thousand different offices, and for each of those consulting firms, we can know what they do. Uh, what are their offerings? What are their products? Uh, what they have written in terms of publications? And when we have the information, what their former clients are saying about them using our performance management methodology, which is something you will not find, I would say, in the I would say generalist uh, platforms. The other thing that that we have, we have communities where uh, buyers can exchange about their experience in buying uh, consulting, and uh, we have uh, procurement intelligence coming from uh, pricing intelligence coming from our benchmarks. That are proprietary benchmarks that are shared only through that, which is also again something very specific to consulting. And uh, and last, we have also an academy in there, which is a module where we share all our trainings when it comes to using, buying, and managing consulting services. Where you have access to all our webinars, all our trainings, all our information, which makes the platform really, really specific to the to the consulting category.
0: Yeah. And- And and talking about this whole holistic life cycle, the the next thing that I was actually going to ask you is, is sourcing really the biggest challenge when it comes to buying and managing consultancy, consultancy? Because, you know, I suspect, I mean, you know better than me having been in this space, but I suspect that with this being often the domain of senior, even board level stakeholders in terms of who they bring in. Do you come across a lot of cronyism where there are a lot of personal relationships with partners at big consultancy firms that are driving sourcing decisions? And then, you know, how does the procurement professional or or the supplier relationship manager ultimately tackle this? And, you know, can, can consorts help them to do that?
1: So, first of all, the consulting is today still very relationship-based. So it's true that you have relationship from the top management with consulting firms, and is driving at least a couple of the firms that are part of the panel uh, of the, the kind of the, the competition when you're organizing an RFP. The first step is for companies to have the discipline to write RFPs, even though they want to use just one firm, they need to for, they need invite you to formalize what they want to buy. And that's an exercise that everyone should do. Even when you're sole source, just write down what are the deliverables you expect? What are your constraints? What are your requirements so that you have a proposal that is matching that? And then second, the second you have a uh, sound, healthy and credible competition, the, you immediately get some leverage. You get leverage in uh, getting better, better proposals. You get leverage in uh, having something that is much more thought through. Uh, you, you, you keep your, uh, your incumbents on their toes. So even if you keep working with your incumbents, having some competition helps, but it has to be, I would say a relevant competition. If you always play with the same big three guys, they all know the pricing of each other. They know that they will get a project every three times and uh, you will not make any progress. You need to introduce some disruption. You need to bring some tier tools. You need to bring some, some challenges. Uh, that, that will make disruptive proposals that will come with disruptive pricing. And then you can move forward. If you just roll over on the, the French government, for instance, has made a big mistake. They have awarded the strategy bucket to three companies. And only those three are getting the project. But they know that they will not get 100% of the business. But they know that they will get at least a one third. So they, they don't get any benefits. And then everyone is complaining and then it makes a political mess. But it's the same. I've seen in Australia, in the UK, everywhere where there the is public. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So uh, coming back to your point, having a database of consulting firms and being able to sort them by capability, by expertise, by location, by diversity, uh, by, uh, you know, is it uh, if you want veteran-owned businesses, this is part of the database. It's a little bit what you do with procurement software, but we apply that to consulting firms.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what I think you've already answered what I was going to ask you next. And that was, you know, do you think the Consource.io will ultimately help to break the stranglehold of, of the biggest consultancy firms? But I think you've, you've already answered that. So I think if I expand on that, do you also think it will empower independents and freelance consultants to collaborate together, to put together you know, a joint bid for a certain project that in the past may have been, you know, impossible to be considered for. So I will start
1: with the first element on the, the, the stronghold of the large consultancies. Uh, on that one, it's a question of segmentation. There is a place for big consultancies. Don't take me wrong. If you want to manage very large projects on a global execution that has to be very fast, you have no choice. You need to go through a, a, large, a large consultancy. If you want big strategic projects with a stem from the board, you need a brand. Uh, if you want specific benchmark, you need those guys, but it's not necessary to use them for everything. So if you want to kind of start looking at some capabilities, for instance, optimizing your supply chain and your inventories, if you want to look at operational manufacturing excellence, why would you go to work every morning with your sports car? You know, you, you don't need to do that. You don't do that as an individual. Why would you do that at work? And uh, there are a lot of companies that, um, that have been created by alumni of those firms that can do the same service deliver equivalent work for a fraction of the price. And, uh, and they moved, not because they were not good. Uh, most of the guys I know that have started their own company wanted more freedom. They wanted to be rid of the, the, the targets that they were getting in the large consultancy. They wanted to have more intimacy with their, with their clients. Unfortunately, those companies at some point end up acquired by the big guys, so the cycle continues. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> you need to catch them where they are there. And if you just look at it by the numbers, If you were to list the largest consultancies, maybe you can name 10. If we had another 10, uh, when we add some big IT names like Tata Consulting Services, this kind of thing, maybe we reach 20. We have mapped uh, close to 4,500, which means that uh, 4,480 are not in the radar screen of most of the buyers. This is just huge in terms of awareness of the the market. And even small countries like, I don't know, uh, Belgium, or uh, Mexico, you can find hundreds of consulting firms there. You don't need to go with the, with the big names. Uh, what we bring with Compulse.io is the possibility to find those firms, get in touch with them, bring them to the table. Then you can use them or not use them. But just knowing that there is some competition, that there is a risk that the business will go some will change the behavior of your incumbent. Anyway, the, the second part to break the stronghold is performance and trust. You know the saying, nobody got ever fired for using McKinsey. Why? Because the guy has a brand and he'll say, hey guys, I did my strategy with the largest company in the world that is supposed to be the number one when it comes to strategy. They do that not because they like McKinsey, because they want to cover themselves and they, they want to use this brand as a security. You don't have the security if you go with a tier two. So what we are trying to provide is this crowdsourced performance management where you have a, a continuous assessment of the performance of consultancies to get an actual assessment of the level of the performance like you have in a trip advisor, you know, uh, but apply to uh, to consultancies so that you can trust what you, uh, the, the the consultancy that you're meeting and that you can tr- um, and trust this consultancy with your business and uh, it will take time, it will take a lot of data, but today the rankings that you find are just based on the brand. If you look at all the forbes fortune, all the rankings that you find on consulting firms everywhere and that uh, consulting firms are sharing in LinkedIn saying, hey, we are considered a top consultancy. You know what is the question behind? Have you heard about this consultancy? Do you think they are good? It's not, have you used them? Are they good? It's a, uh, have you heard of them? And do you think they are good?
0: So completely biased and the, and there are a lot of parallels to to procurement software in what you just said as well i mean the the big thing that i that, that i come across all the time with with procurement technology is that a lot of these best of lists are sponsored okay some of them are not but a lot of them are and just often there aren't enough users especially for fairly early stage startups to have in a subjective reviews. So, I mean, I actually decided against publishing crowdsourced reviews on, on procurement software. But I think you speak to the same point that there just isn't the knowledge of the breadth of the market for consultancy, just like there isn't for procurement software. And, and while consultancy is much more localized in terms of country-based markets, depending on certain regulatory requirements or things that you need them to do, it's it's the exact same problem that democratizing access to that information, and as you said, having a, a supplier discovery functionality built within your platform just enables companies to to challenge the status quo and to do that competitive bidding without, as you say, having to go to the same three or four suppliers that they always go to and just divide the work among them and they all know they're going to get a piece of the pie. So yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you on that. Yeah. And
1: did you... And building on what you said about uh, the, the crowdsourcing, what we want is crowdsourcing that is through the platform so that it's verified users. The one thing that we don't want is open the crowdsourcing to everyone so that then a company can hire a bunch of outsourced guys in India or in the Philippines or wherever in the world to to create positive reviews and, uh, and influence the ratings. There are a lot of sites that are especially about softwares, uh, not necessarily procurement softwares, but uh, I'm thinking about uh, you know the G2s of this world and, and so on. Where you find a lot of reviews and you just you cannot type yourself with, well, they're okay. Well, is that a real review? Why is it so short?
0: Well, yeah, and and the and the head of procurement for Google or Walmart is going to have a vastly different opinion of what what is a good consultancy firm or a, or a good procurement tech provider than the the head of procurement for a very immature procurement organization for a $200 million manufacturing company. And it's, a, it's, the same, it's the same concept whether you're talking about procurement tech or consultancy. It's, uh, yeah.
1: And for a consulting project, you need to interview the guys that have indeed commanded the project and led the project to understand what they think about what the consultancy has delivered. If you just uh, interview a guy that was in the company, a stakeholder to the project that was at the receiving end of a cost reduction program, do you think he's happy? <laughs> Maybe the consultancy has done a good job, but i 'm not sure that the guy that has been his budget shaved my sh- half is super happy with the project
0: no, no, no exactly. no, I think we 're speaking the same language there so the The final thing that I wanted to ask you, just conscious of the time, but for anyone that's perhaps not aware of the difference. How is Consource.io different from some of the, the broader contingent workforce management systems that are out there? Especially when it you touched a little bit on validating the different consultancy providers in, in your last answer, but particularly uh-huh. around compliance and onboarding of, of the consulting firms that you've got listed on there.
1: So I'm not well-versed in vendor workforce management systems. I know, of course, of the feed glass of this world and other companies of, of this style, but I don't know exactly their functionalities and I've not studied them in depth because I don't think this was the same type of job. I would say that the first, the first difference is that what we do is most of the time statement of work-based and project-based where you have clear deliverables, whereas on workforce management, it's staff augmentation and you just get a couple of guys to help you with your SAP work. Uh, and uh, what you have is a timesheet at the end of the day and an invoice. Uh, so here it's a bit different. What we have, what I can speak about is what we have. We have our own onboarding. So we have our own qualification of the, the, the companies that are joining the, the platform. Uh, then companies can create their own custom onboarding and ask the questions they want and reuse some of the inputs that we have already collected to uh, to save time. We have also uh, a custom risk management process where they can again ask the same question on the risk and have their own Financial risk, uh, supply risk, performance risk, global risk, and so on. They can ask the question they want and ask for the documents they uh, they want. So the the companies can really uh, make sure that they have the full compliance they uh, they they would like to have. But we provide also the flexibility to work with companies that are from what we call the Consource global network uh, via our marketplace option, so that companies have the flexibility to work with the companies in their panel or with. Some uh, different stakeholders, if they if they want to, does that does that answer your your yeah, question? Yeah, on that, the ma- that,
0: that makes sense. I'm just conscious that there are perhaps some some listeners that that are not familiar with the difference between some of these service management platforms and and what the differentiators are. So it's uh, it's always good to try and break it down and uh, and 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 talk in simple language. So yeah, I appreciate that.
1: In simple language, we will have, for instance, in the project management, we will have. Uh, uh, a section where the, the companies have to validate in terms of compliance that the deliverables have been met to justify the payments.
0: Whereas where, where often, yeah, where often in contingent workforce management systems, as you alluded to, it's often time and materials and, and, and hourly-based or salary-based. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So in order to uh, avoid for some companies that are kind of small users of workforce management, uh, we have a possibility in the app to just provide at the same time as you provide the invoice, the timesheet. So we we uh, address also some time and material. But the platform was not designed as a, as an external workforce management. It was designed really to to manage your consulting, which is kind of a strategic investment. But you were speaking about it as a niche category earlier. And uh, uh, one thing that is important to, to stress is that when you take uh, the consulting expenses as compared to the turnover, what do you think is the average spend from a company?
0: It's obviously going to be dependent on industry sector, but what's the average spend on consultancy by the average business? Or,
1: Yeah, the, the average spend uh, is going between 05 and 1.5% of the turnover. Okay.
0: Yeah, so not insignificant. Yeah.
1: Exactly. If you apply that to a, a company that is, uh, I don't know, a 3 billion company, it means that you will spend on average around between 15 and 30 million in consulting. And uh, this represents 0.5 to one percent of your turnover, which means that if you can save, uh, let's say 20 or 30 percent of this, you will gain 0.2 or 0.3 percent um, on your EBITDA, which, which can be for some uh, commodity company, uh, pretty, pretty massive. And if you add to that, I would say the strategic part of uh, .IT. projects, uh, which we, we, we manage as well. we don't manage the .IT. expenses and the SaaS expenses and so on, but all the IT projects that are massively transformational and at some point, you don't really know where is the difference between the digital transformation that is labeled as consulting and the digital transformation that is labeled as IT. So we decided to embrace them all. Uh, you can multiply that number by two or by three. So this could be up to 3 4 5% of the turnover of a company. So it's a company kind of hidden under, I would say, uh, indirect, then professional services, then consulting. But uh, it can be a significant
0: uh, budget. And it's a certainly a golden goose egg in these times when you're struggling to make savings for things for, for, on things like commodities, 100%. So, the last thing that I wanted to ask you, Lohan, and it's the easiest question I'm going to ask you if anyone would like to learn more about what you're doing, where's the best place that we can send them?
1: I would go to the, to the website, uh, consource.io, and, uh, and then simply ask for a free consultation, and then we can have a chat and discuss. We can walk them through the the app and also ask to ask any of their questions and and have a personalized uh, conversation.
0: Fantastic. And we will link to that in the show notes. Laurent, it's been a pleasure. I've certainly learned something from talking to you about how to source and manage consultancy services. So uh, appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and wish you all the very best with with your new software. Thank you. So that was sourcing consultancy services and the potential golden goose egg that it could deliver if you've not really looked at that yet in detail and you've not taken some nifty tech like what Lohan has developed with Consource.io. Just a quick one before we sign off. Thank you very much for listening. There are a lot of procurement podcasts out there these days. So we're very, very grateful that you've chosen to insert us into your earballs today Don't forget, if you want to get the latest on the different procurement tech solutions that are out there, head across to procurementsoftware.site. And please don't forget to leave us a review in Apple Podcasts if you listen to us on an iOS device. Till next week, take care wherever you are and bye for now.